How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man. And if I sound different and if I look different, it's because I do what I am. Yes, the internet here in New York City, they said, screw your podcast. It's not working this morning. I'm on the phone with the one, the only, Devingber. Devingber, how are you? I'm sorry to show you up microphone and lighting wise on your own podcast, Lefko, but I got to keep the setup that the beautiful people at Bleacher Report gave me. We've uh, done a deep study on the books behind you, and we found their second rate. So you take that one. Um, we are now, what is this, week six? Yeah. Week six, uh, we've officially named ourselves the Mike Davis Podcast, but I think you're thinking we might become the, 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 the running back podcast. There might be an arbitrage in the NFL market right now. Well, as much as we all want superstar running backs to get paid, there does seem to be a running back that pops up out of nowhere every week or seemingly out of nowhere. Some journeyman guy that runs for 150 yards and a touchdown and explodes fantasy leagues all over the country. And I think we should just be standing for those folks. Oh, and I, to that point, do you ever hear a color commentator get more excited or proud of a player than an out of nowhere running back? No. Let me take you to a Thursday night football Troy Aikman, this James Robinson kid, man, he's really fun to watch out of nowhere. I'm watching the Minnesota game. Oh, don't you just love Mike Boone? It's a, I like this. I think that out of nowhere running backs, you guys have one, J.J. Taylor on the Patriots. I feel like it's the – this could be our marketing. I like this. This is uh, why Steph Curry resonates with the younger generation in a way that Ooh. LeBrons don't because no one can do what LeBron does. No one can fly through the air and jam over a seven-footer. But a lot of people can go out into their backyard and swish a half-court shot, right? So you look at Steph Curry, you're like, I could be him. You see a journeyman running back. He's five foot seven. He's just worked out a lot. You're like, I could do that. I can't do what Tom Brady does, but I could do the running back thing. So you resonate. And then these journeyman guys are like, that could be me one day. How many kids in Boston watch Patriots games and go, oh, I'm not going to do the accent. I could be Rex Burkhead. Yeah. Corey Dillon. I I could be Corey Dillon, bro. I could be Lawrence Maroney, bro. First round pick. So, hmm. We are going to dive into this more, and I think it's actually very funny that we are officially becoming the Running Backs podcast as we are having uh, Adam Levitan of Establish the Run uh, coming on later, and uh, you'll you'll learn that Establish the Run, if you don't already know, uh, we've had Evan Silva on before, is a website that is saying that to make fun of it, that clearly in today's NFL, passing is better, and we dive into some season-long fantasy questions, some props. Um, he puts out props and they're really, really good. Uh, and just overall philosophies and, and some tough fantasy questions. What's going to happen with Andy Dalton? What's going to happen with the Cowboys? Uh, who else should you be on the lookout? Who's a under the radar running back? Really good combo. And of course, we're going to be talking to crack later. Uh, you had something to say there. I see you're you're waiting. Your pursed lips. <laughs> just uh, yes, the establish the run is the funny, ironic name. But in our love of guys like Mike Davis, we're also loving what they do out of the backfield, catching the ball. So this is also the Brian Westbrook podcast, like one of the original godfathers of the running back slash pass catching back. I feel like Priest Holmes should be on our Mount Rushmore. We'll do this on Monday. The Mount Rushmore of running backs that came out of nowhere like Arian Foster. And well, this is, this is very excited right now. I feel like we found something. Created the segment. Running backs matter. Running backs matter. Um, let's do a quick update. So um, 
how have we been doing on bets thus far this season? I think it's important to kind of see how we've been doing and growing. I know I had a good week last week. I don't think I was great before that. Where are we? And, and also crack, because I think we want to celebrate that, the crack daddy. Yeah, I went through the podcast notes uh, over the last few weeks. We've had four gambling specials thus far. This is our fifth one because you told the people not to gamble in week one, which was smart. Week one. <laughs> week one is a crazy circus. But last week you did go three and zero. Oh. You had the Giants plus nine and a half over the Cowboys. They ended up covering that. The Steelers minus seven over the Eagles. That was dicey for a minute, but they ended up covering. They won by double digits. And the Cardinals minus seven over the Jets. That one was never in doubt. Ooh. So oh. with with that three and zero oh week, you are just about sea level. You're five six and one overall, but plenty of time to make that back this season. That's fantastic. Uh, it's not fantastic. <laughs> I think what's what's uh, what's so funny, we'll hear this a little bit later with Levantan, which is not getting high on your own supply, not having a big week and then being like, I figured it all out now, or not having a bad week and then going, I don't know what I'm doing. I give up. Uh, and I think, um, man, I feel like a heater now though, like three, and oh, you're calling your friends. You're like, what picks do you need for next week? I got you. Um, but if you talk to any real gambler, you, no one's no one's making three bets in an NFL weekend. They're making 27 bets. They're making parlays. They're making teasers. They're making player swaps. They're doing all this different things. So for like if, if someone has a three and a week and you're just an amateur gambler, congratulations. Be excited about it because it's fun. But you're not on a heater. You, you won three bets. There's variance in three bets. It's funny, though, when, when you bet on a game like Cardinals Jets and it goes in your way so hard, you you really do feel smarter. Like you walk around your apartment and you're just, anytime they pop up on red zone, like when Kyler Murray hit DeAndre Hopkins on those two deep balls and Scott Hanson was like, here's Kyler Murray. I was like at my television to my fiance who's not watching anything going, this was so easy. Like how did anyone doubt, like you're just, you're convinced you're the smartest person in the world. That's the same, you know, I'm a poker player more than a sports gambler. And it's the exact same thing in poker. If the thing works out the way you wanted it to, or maybe you're in a 60-40 coin flip or a 65-35 and you end up winning, you're like, of course, I had king-queen suited. Of course, I should have gone in there. And if you end up losing the flip, like if you've got a pair of fives and someone's got an ace-queen and you lose, you're like, oh, what the hell was I doing pushing all in with fives? But that's the correct move. Um, Crack. Has he been great? I feel like he's been great. Yeah, he's been crushing. So it's it's a little difficult because he's more on the, let me recommend this, or why don't you take a look at this? I mean, he really only does one at the end, and that's like his pick, but he's leaning Yeah, so it's, it, I, I don't want to speak for him and say like, this was definitely a pick, this was not. I was really cool. trying to just go with ones where he on this podcast said, here's my pick. He's made a whole bunch of like semi-recommendations along the way. But of his picks on the podcast, I'm counting it six and three, which is a very money-making venture if you bet all nine of those. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm, I love that. And are you 0-4? I am. Yeah, I'm 0-5 in the correct way. As you know, Ingber's losers. I'm trying to lose a semi-long shot every week. I'm actually, I'm, I'm walking the tightrope this week. I'm only doing a 9-1 to bet. So uh, this is going to be tricky. Okay, I'm very excited for that. Uh, so coming up, just to give out the lay of the land again, we were about to do a deep dive with Adam Levitan. Then we are going to come back. We're going to talk to Crack Daddy. And Ingber and myself are going to make some picks, uh, love, lean, list, and then Ingber is going to try and lose, but it sounds like it might get spicy. And then we're going to have an interview with Kevin Thrash, who was a director of a new documentary that followed the Philadelphia Eagles' surprising Super Bowl run. That ambulance outside my window means one thing. 
that I should name the movie before I toss it to the next segment, which I believe was maybe next year. Glad I had that notebook right there. And now the sounds of John Barchard to take us to an interview, a deep dive. It's deep dive interview time. Tell us something we don't already know, won't you? Oh, the pipes of John Barchard. They are so beautiful, almost as beautiful as the website and company that this next guest has built. Establish the run. He's got a screen behind him, so you know it's serious business. You guys heard from Evan Silva this offseason. It's the dynamic duo, Adam Levitan joining us now. And uh, I appreciate you. This is my first time talking to you, so this is, I'm excited. It's good to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. How's it going? I, I really love what you guys are building over there. And what I love about it is as the NFL has gone into this acceptance of numbers, it's been like uh, you guys just deliver in a way that I find so enjoyable, whether it's utilization and pace, whether I think it's simple things as ranking defensive lines, or if it's uh, looking at Herms Meyer's buy low model, I just feel like you guys are on the cutting edge. So I first want to just say, Thank you, and I hope you're proud of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you're welcome. I, wait, what did I say? Thank you? Congratulations. I went over to. Congratulations. I hope you're proud of it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a, a lot of what people think, quote unquote, analytics is in the NFL is like some far mystery that resides on like Venus or something like that. And being able to take it and make it so that people who just enjoy football and playing fantasy football can understand. I think that's for sure one of our goals. And and yeah, I appreciate that you saying that because that as I said, that's definitely one of our goals. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was you put out props every week. I believe you went 4-0 and last week, correct? I believe so, yes. Shout out to me. Shout out to you, Team Sex. <laughs> what, um, what were the four? What were the four? Oh, man, I have to bring them up. But, I mean, it, you know, one of them got really lucky on the last play. Naheem Hines uh, went over on his receiving yards on the very last play of the game. And then the other three, I think, were – we're pretty sad. I don't remember exactly what they were. No worries. I, the reason I bring it up is uh, I have used your props and I have bet your props in the past and I have won on them. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to talk about though with props was more of your uh, philosophy. Me and my friends, when we bet props, I swear it's like 1230 on a Sunday and it's people like looking at their fantasy team and being like, I know this guy's going to kill it. I'm going to bet the over on the prop. Like that's every prop I feel like I've ever bet. And I, I was curious, what is your process? How, how does it start? Because there's 14 to 16 games going on. There's tons of people to look at. How do you start your process? Yeah, sure. So first of all, exactly what you said is one of the reasons that props are going to be profitable. And to me, one of the only things that people can really beat, you know, people who think they're beating NFL closing lines and people who think they're beating NFL closing totals, they're just almost certainly not. But props, if somebody tells me they're being props, I would say, yeah, I believe it. Because if you have the right process, in place. And so one of the things that you said is you guys all want to bet overs and that's what everybody wants to do on props. They all want to bet overs. What overs fails to bake in is median versus mean, meaning, you know, if a guy has a 200 yard game, it messes with his mean, but his median is still intact. So people need to be looking at medians mm. instead of means. And the second thing is people want to be leaning unders instead of overs because it's hard for a line to build in injury risks, to build in blowout risks, to build in coach getting pissed off and benching you risk and all that stuff leans Mm. towards under so 
giving up on a play and then refusing to enter the game and saying, trade me. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to AJ Green. Yes. So, so yeah. So, so that's kind of the first philosophy. And then from there, you know, you want to get to these lines early because they will move. So, you know, they usually come out on Fridays. And if you're betting them on Sundays, most likely, depending on what book you're at, they're hammered into place pretty good. And you'll be able to tell that by the juice. A lot of books don't even move their lines. They just move the juice. So something that started off at AJ Green over 40 yards minus 110 might be under minus 160 by the time Sunday comes around. And that turns it into okay, a bad Okay, so bet. I'm the kind of guy that will be negligent with juice. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, I don't care. I like <laughs> it. Is there a cutoff of where the juice gets? Like, what's your juice cutoff where you're like, this is just, it's too much? Yeah, so you could figure it out mathematically what it actually equates to at each number. So as you go up, you would say, well, actually, you know, I need my projection to be X for it to be a bet at minus 130. I need it to be Y for it to be a bet at minus 160. So you could figure all that out. Ideally, I don't want to be laying uh, big numbers, but what I was going to get to on the process is if you're just comparing a projection that you trust. And, you know, there's tons of projection systems out there. We have one. And so all I do is I take our projections, I run it through a sheet, compare it to uh, the actual lines, and then it gives back a percentage. And so when I'm betting props, you know, I'm looking for at least 20% edge. So if uh, somebody's projected for 100 receiving yards and I have them projected for 80, that's obviously a bet on the under. And it's really that simple. I think that where we can gain an even bigger edge than just straight math and straight projection type stuff is understanding as fantasy players, hey, I know that with Jack Doyle out, Mo Ali Cox is going to have an expanded role. And the books, they don't, you know, the limits on these props are low, you know, 100, 200 bucks. They aren't, they're not tracking every Jack Doyle's effect start, you know, splits with Mo Ali Cox. And so they're not going to adjust that right. as fast as we can. So yeah, that's just some of the, the basic stuff, I think. When it's so funny that everyone I talk to that really is the sharp just always says, just take the under and everything. <laughs> it's just human nature to want the over. And it's, it's this weird thing where we, we all want it. And all the people that make money bet the under in everything, yeah. I feel like, except for totals this year. Right. I, I would say about props is that a lot of this stuff is injury induced, right? So like a lot of the edges are injury induced and that's going to lead to a lot of overs, you know, for example, like um, they didn't have a line on Zacchaeus uh, this past week. But if they would have, I, I might have been on over. And even though I turned out to be wrong, I thought he would have had uh, a better game than likely the books uh, would have. So there's also room for overs, I think, in props more so than in totals, I guess. But uh, yeah, you know, you're right. It's human nature to go overs. And so you're always going to find at least some value, I think, on unders, especially on like primetime games and stuff like that. How, how, um, accurate are like Vegas totals? Like when you're looking, whether it's DFS or props, how often are the ones that Vegas believes will have the high totals? Those are the games that you should focus on if you're playing DFS or props. Yeah. So uh, of course, you know, about 50% of the games are going to go over and about 50% of the games are going to go under. However, the key is that they're going over and under at different numbers. So like, that's not to say there's always an edge at betting all the unders or betting all the overs. And I know early this season, there was, a, you know, overs were smashing at a ridiculous rate. And I think some of that had to do with the, the COVID off season. But anyways, normally it'll be around 50-50. The key though is that, yeah, games that are up around 50-55, the chance that they get to 70, that chance they get to 75 is multiples higher than a game that was totaled around 40 or 45. So when you're playing DFS, when you're betting props, you know, the chance that you need to win a tournament, you need a game to score 75 points if you have three or four players from that game. And so chances that it gets up to 70 or 75 are, are far, far higher. 
Do you have man crushes already this year? Like guys that you're just so happy that you've been playing, betting on your teams, were super right about? Like who, who would be the big ones right now? Yeah, so I, I think we had some inclination that they were actually going to let Russ cook this year. And, and that's been a really big thing. I think the last two weeks they've spread out more than I would have liked to see. And we've seen Jack Olson get targets and we've seen David Moore get targets and we've seen Jeff Swaim get targets. And that's just been a disaster for Tyler Lockett. Uh, DK Metcalf is still getting there. Yeah. So I think that's one uh, for sure. But really my favorite guys are these guys that I played in preseason DFS and I followed in the XFL. Those are my favorite guys. And so I'm just hoping guys like Andy Isabella. I thought of you when Mike Boone came in at the end of the game. I I can't believe Mike Boone didn't get more work. Did you see? So so what Mike Boone happened, this is something that I get excited about as like a weird football fan. The running back room, when he came off the field, were losing their fucking mind. (laughs) And that's why I know everyone's on Madison this week. I saw he's really up there already on DFS. And I'm like, I don't know, man. There's something about that other running back. Like Mike Boone's been there for so long now. He gives me um, Mike Davis vibes in terms of like how long they've waited. Uh, If if. Mike Boone was dropped into the Ezekiel Elliott role and Dak Prescott was healthy. I mean, there's no doubt Mike Boone to run for 1500 yards. There's, there's just no doubt. I mean, the dude is just, the dude is just good. And, and, you know, I'm, and Madison is good too. And this is all going to go back to the why it's tough to pay running backs because it's the most replaceable position. Not to say they don't matter because I think that they do. It's just the most replaceable position. And so that's tough. You asked about one guy I really like, though. I want to go back to that because I almost forgot our boy, Josh Allen, who Evan was talking about getting 80 to one MVP tickets on Josh Allen being, the third best fantasy quarterback. I mean, it's hard for people to swallow because he's not a great real life quarterback and all of the real life NFL people are like, Oh my God, how can you like Josh Allen? There's just, you know, a disconnect between Josh Allen, the fantasy player and Josh Allen, the real life player. And he's certainly played better in real life this year, but when you run like a madman and when you don't care about throwing interceptions and when you throw the ball deep down the field, it's so good for fantasy. And so I think people have a hard time kind of making a little disconnect there. So I'm happy to see Josh Allen doing well in fantasy and real life. People, I think that's the hardest part, especially with football, is people don't like thinking about the numbers. It, it makes them sad. <laughs> you know, I, I, we had Matthew Barry on before the season. And he was like, look, like what Lamar Jackson did last year was insane. And the statistical probability of him doing it again is very unlikely. Yeah. And so, and I remember posting that and seeing all the hate that he got. And now it's like Lamar's barely even running anymore. Right. And so it, it just, people want to watch football and they want to, th- they love thinking about yesterday when it comes to football. They love it. Yeah. And so there's always going to be recency bias, like in any form of gambling, like, you know, recency bias is going to be the number one enemy of people making money. It just, you know, it just kind of is what it is. And, and also speaking to the numbers, you know, like NFL, I think is such a small sample that people can get by on not really understanding the numbers that well. Like it's such a small sample. If you're willing to put in time and, and try to avoid recency bias, I think, You can, if you were trying to do it without numbers in baseball or even in NBA, you'd just be like drawing dead because the, the sample size is so much bigger. I was, what, what's Drew's last name again? Dinkmeyer. I used to stuff to get ready for the NBA on TNT. Mm -hmm. Like when it was like early on in the bubble and I'm, I'm, you know, you're, you're looking for notes and nuggets on like the eighth guy on the bench on the suns. And I'm like, I need some cam Johnson stuff. I went to drew. Yeah. So they also do basketball establish the run. Yeah. Um, w- one other thing about, so I just read this book by Annie Duke and it's all, and I've brought up a few times, but getting out of a resultist mindset and 
What's interesting though is fantasy reminds me a lot of gambling where there's touts and everybody loves to say what their record is and how they're doing and like, look at this great like choice I made. Um, but that's also negative. That also hurts you, like you said, in recency bias. So in this week-to-week flow, how do you erase both the good and the bad? And because it's very human nature to think that you're on a heater when in actuality it, it was just happened to go right. Yeah, sure. So if you zoom out, you know, like and think about what a realistic win rate is in DFS, you know, you might be winning at a 5% ROI or a 10% ROI and you would be absolutely crushing. So if you're winning 100% for a couple of weeks, well, look, man, the only way you're going to get back down to 5 or 10% is to be humbled. And I think people are, um, you know, overconfident in their ability to uh, sustain win streaks and losing streaks and running hot and running cold. You can do it for a really, really long amount of time. And I'm sure Andy Duke talked about that in poker too. You can run really hot and really cold for an incredibly long amount of time. You think that you're the best or you think that you're the worst when really it's just a lot of variance involved. So, so yeah, that, that's for sure. One thing for a specific example, like in week four, uh, I played a lot of, of Brandon Cooks and he had zero catches for zero yards on three targets. And then I only played a little bit of Cooks in week five and he had 12 targets and went off for 33 DraftKings points. And then, you know, it's like, and then I saw, I saw Deshaun Watson came out. I was like, yeah, yeah. man, we need to get him the ball. Yeah. He had a really rough week. Four. That, that's the kind of stuff we need to know. Deshaun. And he calls him cookie. I was like, man, if you call somebody cookie, you have to, I didn't know he called There's him cookie. There's a connection yeah, there. Exactly. So, so, okay. So this is actually a great one. Like I had Chase Claypool on my bench on one of my leagues. And then what I feel like is people start to chase. So like where you are with Brandon Cooks, some people will go on tilt. Mm-hmm. You play him a lot. He doesn't do anything. You don't play him. He goes crazy. What do you do now? Because yeah. I think there's a lot of people right now on their season long and maybe DFS where they're, they're in the chase. Yeah. So whack-a-mole would be like the worst possible thing you could do where a guy pops up for a good game. You don't have him. Then the next week when he's more expensive and he's more owned or, or whatever in your season long, then you're like, oh, let me try to, let me try to hit him now. And, and that's when he goes back down. And so I would try to, as best you can, evaluate each week on a completely independent basis. If we zoom out and we look at Chase Claypool, he might not have done anything if Deontay Johnson didn't get hurt four routes into that game. I mean, Chase Claypool may have only played, I don't know, 10 or 15 snaps in that game if Deontay Johnson doesn't get hurt. So we'll see on Deontay Johnson's status this week. But yeah, we should evaluate each week, ideally on a completely independent basis. That's easy to do through models and through computers. It's extremely hard to do in the human mind where we say, God, I can't I can't have Chase Claypool on my bench for four touchdowns again. You know, that'd be the worst outcome in the world. So, so yeah, you know, it's it's a hard thing for sure. How did you guys build your model? Is this like your model? No, so, so, so we, the projection model that we've built for this year goes into a lot. And honestly, like we have, we hired a director of data science this year who has worked uh, mostly on it, but yeah, it factors in a lot of different stuff that, um hopefully comes out was it like so was it like you told this guy to do it and then one day you got an email and he was like it's bad (laughs) kind of happened kind of that's so exciting except except uh he is extremely knowledgeable about football and and nfl and, and what i trust what he thinks in terms of what what inputs should be in the model uh more than i do like if it was up to me we'd just have like if guys are old knock them down in the model and if guys are young bring them up in the model it'd be a very simple model 
Okay, so I've heard you talk about this, the uh, very established and well-researched age model. Uh, some people call it the washed model, uh, can be shortened to the waddle, uh, where you believe that anyone over the age of 30 is washed and you shouldn't have on your fantasy team. And everybody that's younger, they got to be in there. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is how everybody drafts. I feel like everybody drafts rookie wide receivers. And then like at the end, everybody forgets about Jarvis Landry yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, how much of this is real to you? How much of this do you really believe? Or are you just having a good time? Because yeah. I'm very curious. Yeah, no, I, it's it's uh, partially a bit. And, you know, the best the best jokes are all like a partial truth. So, uh, <laughs> of course, it's very hard for people to come to the realization that their favorite players are eventually going to get old and not be good anymore. And for that reason. Some of them got old really quick this season. Yeah. I, I mean, it just. Like I know you've been talking about Ertz a lot. Like, yeah. I, it. Yeah. And so, you know, it just happens. And so if we, we don't want to be left holding the bag. So like you are way more likely to be overpaying for a guy on his decline than you are to be overpaying for a guy who is ascending. And the whole point of this game of fantasy or anything isn't to predict what's happened. It's to predict what's going to happen next. So what Zach Ertz, what AJ Green, what T.Y. Hilton, uh, what Drew Brees has done in their career before this is irrelevant to me right now. And people, I think, have a hard time getting their head around that. And then you get guys over uh overdrafted and people are too excited about them when they're actually falling off a cliff and, and i don't want to be stuck holding the bag when they're falling off a cliff i feel like so many of the dallas cowboys are on people's fantasy teams mm -hmm. and I, as someone that has amari cooper with their, whether it's michael gallup or cd lamb or zeke i don't know if you got tony pollard deep on your bench or cedric wilson uh, i know people were super happy with dalton schultz I know that the answer is it's a wait and see, but how would you be attacking that Dallas weaponry knowing that we're going to, as they call it on the round, the NFL, the, the Mendoza line of NFL quarterbacks, the most average yeah. quarterback that may have ever existed, Andy Dalton? Well, I would never say wait and see, right? That's a cop out. If we wait and see and everybody knows the answer, then it's too late. So, so yeah, my, my take would be that uh, Andy Dalton's going to be just fine. And, and I thought Andy Dalton was fine in Cincinnati when he had good players around him when he had a reasonable offensive line, which wasn't very often, but they when we're going 11 and five, 12 yeah, and four with those guys, he had some big fan. He had some big fantasy games. And now you drop him into a Dallas offense, which is playing at the fastest pace in the league, which has the three, which has the best three wide receivers set in the league and which has an atrocious defense. So I, I you know, they're not going to be as good as they were with Dak, but if people are just want to sell off Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Zeke, I, I'd be happy to be uh, buying them. Can you now argue the other side? <laughs> the, the, I just want to see. The, I just want to see you argue the other side. Sure. The way it goes bad is that Andy Dalton is not as mobile as Dak Prescott, and now you have this awful offensive line for Dallas, which lost both Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, and Andy Dalton can't get out of the way, and he gets sacked. And their center. Yeah. And the other way it goes bad is if all of a sudden they just say, you know what, we don't trust Andy Dalton. We're just going to go to this extreme run-heavy attack and give the ball to Zeke thirty times and try to win that way. I'm just not sure that's practical with the state of their defense. So, um, yeah, I, I still think that it's, it's going to be okay for the Dallas guys. I, that's, I think that's going to be my new thing, is just like making people argue <laughs> both sides. Because when, I, when you're talking, I was thinking about those tackles, and I was like, I don't know. Yeah. It's because Dak is so special with his legs, and people do not talk. Like in the red zone, Dak is the guy that I want just because I feel like he's so, like he knows and he's forceful and he dives over people like 
Andy Dalton ain't doing any of that shit. No, Dak is awesome. Um, other guys that people may have on their benches. I, I don't want to do like the who you need to add stuff, but who are people in who are players in situations? I would say typically running backs, wide receivers that maybe people aren't thinking about right now that you're seeing possible. Uh, big bumps in the future if things fall a certain way. Yeah, I think a lot of people are probably tempted to drop DeAndre Swift right now, the rookie running back on the Lions. And I don't know, man, how much longer can they go with Adrian Peterson? I just made a trade offer for him. Oh, okay. I literally just like that's amazing. <laughs> he, he's got like five catches a game. Yeah. And, and so, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's exciting for you that, that you're going to get DeAndre Swift. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I'd be very hesitant to start DeAndre Swift right now with the way they're using Adrian Peterson. But when a guy, I mean, a target is worth so much more than a carry. And a target from Matthew Stafford is worth a lot. And so DeAndre Swift is getting targets right now. They've kind of phased carry on Johnson out. And we know Adrian Peterson's not going to be used in the past game. I think before the year's over, hopefully, we'll see Adrian Peterson phased out completely. And we'll see DeAndre Swift get a real rushing role. And Such so that would be ageist. exciting. So. So, yeah, I think that's one. But, yeah, I mean, guys who are buried, who we think are talented, especially if you're looking at running backs, guys who have pass-catching roles, I think uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'll kind of – I want to wrap it up. I Is there anything that is exciting you about this season with – possible edges because of like information or or just all the craziness that's happening is there anything that you're finding interesting as you do your routine through the week that's different than other years yeah i think generally speaking teams are understanding the value more of a pass and you know we named the website establish the run as kind of a uh a joke like you know uh, to the old like a, a stab at the old kind of football guard because running is just so inefficient especially you know teams that are running a lot on second and ten and second and nine it's just you can see those are some of the worst teams in the league and so I think we've seen a change I mean there's been so much argument over the uh fourth down going for it. there's been so much argument over when to go for two points late in games when you're down 14 or when you're down eight or when you're down seven and so uh, we've seen changes in that and we've seen uh coaches start to use their players not all coaches but some coaches start to use their players I think in a more efficient manner, i.e. getting running backs out into the passing game more. And so, yeah, it's an exciting time for the NFL. And, and I think there's been increased quarterback quality play. You know, there was kind of a stretch there, maybe, I don't know, three, four, five years ago where quarterback played in the NFL. It seemed like we couldn't find 15 guys on the planet who could play NFL quarterback well. 15 guys in the last three drafts. Yeah. And now the court position, I mean, everybody almost seems to have just a quarterback with a chance to do something really awesome on a week-to-week basis outside of a few teams. So, so, yeah, I, I think the NFL from an offensive standpoint has been exciting, and we certainly should be leaning more towards pass-catching running backs and pass-catching tight ends and slot receivers more than outside receivers. And, you know, all that stuff I think is, is leaning in towards today's NFL for sure. I also forgot to tell you, this is the official Mike Davis podcast. Uh, Brian Westbrook has been obsessed with Mike Davis. I get more texts that just say the words Mike Davis. So I'm like, I guess I got to go look at the Panthers game. He loves that guy. I believe that you're a fan too. So as a guest on the official Mike Davis podcast, would you like to say something to Mike Davis? Yeah, it's, I mean, 99, I was calling him 90% CMC when this first started. Now I'm calling him 99%. CMC because you don't notice a drop off really at all. And Mike Davis is breaking tackles at this outrageous rate. Mike Davis is catching the ball at this ridiculous rate. I mean, just everything. Yeah. 
And so that's so what happens. Like, what do you do? This is the number one pick in fantasy Mm -hmm. that everybody who got their number one pick said, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey and I don't have to talk to any of you for about 15 minutes. And now Mike Davis is coming back. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's coming back. That's the real the situation that I feel like could change fantasy season. So I think, first of all, that was the right pick to take Christian McCaffrey first. Like when he plays and he has his normal role, he is so far ahead of every other fantasy player that it's not even close. I think that given the contract that the Panthers gave him, they're not going to come back and be like, well, now you're going to only play 60% of the snaps and Mike Davis is going to get 40. I think there's some situations where maybe Christian McCaffrey goes down to 85 or even maybe 80 and when he first comes mm-hmm. back. But yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If I had Christian McCaffrey, I'd be pretty confident that when he comes back, he's going to have his normal role and, and be pretty dominant. I'm trying, I'm hoping. I remember one game last year, the Patriots, I think it was like week one or week two. I think it was actually the Browns. They played a ton of uh, 20. And it was just two running backs, no tight ends. And they're not using Ian Thomas anyway. Mm-hmm. Just put the three speedsters out there and McCaffrey and Mike Davis and let's go wild. Like, I don't, that's what I want in Carolina, man, more than anything. That would be cool. Uh, Christian McCaffrey can certainly play some receiver. I mean, just not line up naturally as a wide receiver. He could certainly do it. Go over to EstablishTheRun.com. They have one free podcast between him and Silva. The rest you got to subscribe for. I am a subscriber. I enjoy the content a lot. Adam Levitan, have you looked at any props? Do you have one little nugget? Any, any before we go? Not only have I not, okay looked, you don't. Have I, not only have I not looked at them, but they're not even up yet. So even if I, even if I wanted to look at them, I, I wouldn't be able to. Okay. I'd be patient, buddy. Mike Davis. I'm focusing on Mike Davis. It's been a very big Mike Davis week. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Hear ye, hear ye. These are the three crack commandments. With Bill Krakenberger. Crack. Daddy. It's the crack. Daddy in Vegas. Crack, how you doing, pal? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Okay. You were talking while we were getting you set up about Vegas at night. And I think before we get into football, this world is a crazy mess. Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what's happening, but in the real world, we're all staying at home, but the Vegas strip at night, none of us are seeing it crack. What are we missing? What is happening on the Vegas strip? Yeah, I, I don't like that. I haven't talked about this on any other media outlets because I'm don't like to be a negative Nancy, but um, I know about 10 different groups of people or individuals that were coming to Vegas here in the last month because October is the best month. I mean, look, at every day we have 88 degrees, 90 degrees in the daytime. Nighttime goes down to 80, 75 to 80. It's perfect weather, great weather, football, sports, everything going on. People love to come to Vegas right now. I know about 10 groups that all of them canceled. So, um, and I'll tell you what, I hate to do this. Um, okay, you're just telling the truth. I don't disagree with them. I don't. The Vegas Strip at night is a disaster. I would rather be downtown where I know I have the Fremont Street Experience security. I have some Metro officers. The Metro officers are not present on the Strip. And that's- On the Strip, is it parties? Is it mayhem? It's mayhem. There's, 
You know, there the, things that you guys don't hear back east or back anywhere in the country because our media is controlled by our newspapers, which are owned by a casino owner. Uh, he even owns some of the media. He he has the right people in his pocket. And I getting out right now. It's a mess in Vegas, but since all the media is controlled by casinos and everybody wants to paint it up because of tourism, no one else is hearing about it. This is turning into a news story. And I'm it's interested. on Twitter right now. Ooh. There is a Twitter feed that actually shows everything. Um, I'm not going to promote his Twitter feed, but there is one Twitter feed that promotes everything. And, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that shows everything. And it it's shocking to me. They, they showed this guy has video footage, and it was on Twitter. It's still there, uh, of the shooting that in front of Planet Hollywood, yeah, that, right on the strip. Planet Hollywood, a guy is arguing with another guy, pulls out a gun and shoots him. Are, you, have okay. video. Are you feeling safe or are you nervous? Uh, listen, I, I live in a high-rise, a very safe high-rise. You got to get through my gates. That was not that. That was what that was. Crack was a, you literally just went to me. Do you know who I am? You said, "Do you think I'm afraid of some people? Do you know who I've dealt with yeah. in my life?" Uh, well, it's it's true. I mean, I'm not in the Fortune 500 business. I've definitely dealt with some people that uh, that that those guys on the strip would be afraid of. Oh. But uh, I'll just tell you though. Um, I am not going out on the strip. I would not let my wife out on the strip. I would not let my kids out on the I, I don't have kids, but if I did. You and the wife taking a Saturday me. stroll with a grenade where you're, you're just sipping yeah. eight-foot beer? Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's not going to happen right now. So we, we've had a ton of violence on the strip, oh. a ton of shootings on the strip that uh. no one knows about. Yeah. Right. So it's it, it's not it's not good. Uh, to everyone out there, please be safe. This is a really hard time for everybody, uh, and I will pray for you, and I hope that you can find peace. In the meantime, we need to gamble on football. Hey, we, and we will get back to normal. I'm not saying yeah, – I hope so, man. Let's get past this election and see if that helps. Either way, I don't know. I'm not a political guy. Well, so this is actually related. Do you believe – how much money is being bet on the election right now? Oh, giant money. I, I can't, that's an amazing question. It's no one. No one has asked me as usual. Adam, Who's the favorite? Curve here. Who's the favorite? Uh, well, now it's minus two. Biden is minus two twenty-five. Trump How is much Biden's odds change after the debate? Uh, I Biden's odds after the debate actually uh, Biden held his own there uh, according to pollsters and stuff and and he uh, he actually went up a little bit just a little tick from minus 140 to minus 160 when he just went to when, when Biden went to 225 after Donald Trump had uh, coronavirus and he was in the hospital then it went to 225 and it's stuck it's it's still there so brain was like so there's value I, i'm not going to talk about it i can't talk about it we're not getting i'm just curious so like when you say a lot of money is coming in on the presidential how much money is coming on the presidential election versus an average week of football oh well listen average week of football is going to be much much yeah. more uh, giant over the election, but you know the election. I I, I know guys that have bet literally a hundred thousand on the election. So I, I know guys that have bet uh, you know f fives and ten thousands on the election for sure. And I know people that want to bet more. Um, um, so it's it's kind of interesting that that uh, you can really bet you know, on anything, can't you? Yes, my biggest loss to date, by the way, my biggest loss to date that I could think of, I lost forty grand on the last election.
Yeah. I had a great odds. I had unbelievable odds. I mean, my, Take Hillary. I Hillary. Yeah, I had Hillary. By the way, not that I wanted her, and I'm, I'm going from, a, I'm going from a, a, a gambling standpoint. She, at, at, at post time, um, she was about seven, eight to one uh, on election day. I had her cost average at about two to one. So I was laying two to one on something that was eight to one. Man, I got my head handed to me. And that was presidential betting with crack. Okay, now, NFL action. Uh, the state of the sports books. How was last week? What was last week in the greater story of this season? Uh, well, last week for for let's first say for me and my, my me and my guys was great. I think I was six and zero on Sunday, which is unbelievable. The NFL has saved me and bailed me out and and, and made me you money this year. So able to say that before. Yeah, no, I, I I I never really condone NFL betting. I still don't really condone betting sides. I'm a totals guy. I'm a proposition guy. So, uh, but but the totals have been have done very very well. But uh, so the sports books, I think sports sports books made some money. Actually, I don't think it's the people I talked to Why? they made some money. Last what week. games were big for sports books last week? Well, I mean, the, the night always the prime time games. People love betting. You know, the Seattle game. Uh, if Seattle loses that game outright which amazingly Minnesota blew that game. Yeah. They just blew that game totally. If Seattle wins that game, I'm sorry, if Minnesota wins that game outright, well, the sports books have a giant, giant day, maybe their best yeah. Sunday. Everyone had Seattle in teasers. They bet these money lines. Uh, yeah. It was Russell Wilson in the midst of an MVP season and it's better's favorite combination, Kirk Cousins and primetime. And they loaded up and Kirk had them. And they let him off the hook. Yes. Yes, they, they did. They, they absolutely did. Uh, anyone watching that game that had Seattle uh, teased down to minus a half, by the way, that's what it would have been, teased down to minus a half, they have to know how lucky they got there. That, that was an amazing game for them. And uh, I find out more and more these these money line parlays. I, I honestly didn't really know to the effect till I talked to some of the sportsbook managers. The public loves betting these big Games like the Chiefs money line. Um, that's the reason why the books did good, by the way. The Chiefs. But they love, but even though it's minus four to one or three minus three eighty, I know one guy betting the money. They love putting that in their parlays. Wow, you like, and it looks you like it's know why? I know it yeah, that's why. Double digit because because us public betters. I love being among the public betters because I I'm just realizing my brain is not absorbing ways to mathematically take advantages this is who i am and this is who i'm stuck being we'll work on it but not in this but anyway uh what i'm realizing we love multipliers what we love to do is we like to take a risky thing and we like to combine it with a seemingly non-risky thing not factoring in the risk of that thing and then going this is the one i want to bet on but now i'm getting good on now i'm getting a multiplier we love multipliers so in other words, when you're saying multipliers, you're betting that with other things, three, four, or five, and getting back better, the greater than one to one. So yeah. even though you're betting these big favorites in your money line, uh, you're getting back, you know, three to one or five to one after it's all over with, and you've been getting the money. There's, there's, there, we had a week here recently where every single favorite won. I mean, they're, they're getting the money on a lot of these, but a little bit of a uh, little bit of setback here with. The Raiders beating the Chiefs outright and that money line going down. My first thought when you mentioned that week, which was week two, and it was a glorious week where everybody thought they were brilliant because literally every favorite covered. Um, I thought immediately about 
man, I wish I could go back to week two with what I knew now. And now I'm going to ask you a random question. If you could go back and bet any sporting events with all the information you know now, so you would have bet it and you could be in the experience, which one would you go back and win a major bet on of any sporting event ever? Now you're saying ever in the history, the annals of history? That you've experienced. That what? That you've experienced on the losing side that you could go okay. back and flip. It's embarrassing. Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. I want to say this on a, on a national station, on a national show here. I have to admit, I have to admit, I, have, I am a losing boxing better betting against Floyd Mayweather. Oh, God. I, I wish I would have had the he, – he chose his fight so well. How can I be taking 4-1 to one and 5-1 to one against Floyd? Um, now, I did win about 15000 though, when he fought Colin McGregor, the MMA guy. But it didn't equal what I lost for the Who betting was, against which Floyd. Which fight was it? What's that? Which fight was it that you bet against Floyd Mayweather? Or are you going to tell me that you've bet against Floyd Mayweather in all of them? Multiple fights. Uh, maybe maybe seven or eight fights. You know, thinking, you know, he, I mean, I, I bet De La Hoya against him. I, I bet so many boxers, so many times I bet against Floyd, you know. And the one that time you bet against him was, the one time you bet with him was McGregor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was a giant bet. <laughs> I, had, I had about 12,000. I bet 3,000 again right at fight time. The town was begging for that. Oh. You understand this town was begging for Floyd Mayweather money. The MMA, let's face it, and MMA, UFC's bigger. It's bigger than boxing. Everyone, so all these people came to town, and they all bet on their fighting guy, their MMA guy, which is McGregor. The town made millions, tens of millions, maybe a hundred million, uh, you know, literally across the, the United States, betting uh, people people that, that that were betting on McGregor. Oh, they just did you bet on Ricky Hatton? I did bet Hatton. I did. Yep. That was yep. that was one of the first fights in my life where I remember being really excited for it and then watching all these people that spent all week telling me about how Hatton was going to win because he had more power and then watching him get destroyed in like 18 seconds. Like that was the sporting event that told me that all the pre-talk was bullshit and nobody knew anything. Yeah. Man. That's right. So that, that, That's that, right. It's so, all about – you're right. It's build up. You're right about that. I remember that build up too. You're absolutely right. The first twenty four seven. Right, right, right. There you go. The twenty four sevens, and I was watching all those twenty four sevens, and these underdogs were so hungry. But Floyd, I give him credit. And, and by the way, I, I personally know Floyd, so um, he doesn't even realize how much money I bet against him. Um, but it doesn't matter. He 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 uh, he he's a, he's a gentleman. And to me, he's always been a gentleman's. But I'll just tell you, though, um, all those fights, I honestly thought that I had chances. I put my money up there because but but Floyd, to his credit, he's the smartest fighter. He picked the fights. Yeah. He knows the reason why he's uh, 50 and 0. Whatever. You know, he knows. To that he knew. point, to bring it back to football, the number one team that I regret betting against over and over again is the Chiefs. I feel like every and this was the one week where the, the Raiders win. But that would be the ones I could take back. Public, where is the public heavy right now? What, where, where are you seeing that public money in week six? Just, just going back to what you just said, though. Did you say you regret betting the Chiefs? I regret, regret betting against the Chiefs. I feel like oh, against the yeah, like there have been so yeah. many times where I've been like they can't cover that, and they do, and it's like it's Patrick Mahomes. 
Um, but I, I think we're at an interesting time of the, of the calendar. I feel like this is the time of the year where there's a surprise playoff team that's starting to establish themselves and people still write them off. And I feel like you get two or three weeks before they become seven and two and, and all that. But first I want to talk about the public and then who do you think your surprise team can be? So the public, who are they on in week six? Okay. Well, uh, the, the big public game this week, again, people love betting on Brady, no matter what. That's the number one team that's bet on in the, in the United States uh, here on, on NFL. They love betting. This is a big week. 4-0 Green Bay, 3-2 Tampa. This is a giant, giant game. Uh, battle of quarterbacks. You know, this, this, this is a, it's going to be a big public play, whether it's on the high-powered Green Bay offense or it's on their fan favorite, Tampa Bay. So this is Fred. going to be a – it opened it – opened, okay, good, Adam. What is the spread between the Bucks and uh, the Packers right now? What's the line? Okay. Uh, okay, Bucks and again, the Bucks and the Packer game we're talking. Green Bay was minus one. It was hit earlier in the week. And uh, yes, just yesterday, Tampa Bay was hit plus two. Uh, by a group that I respect, by the way. So this is definitely one that, you know, I know it's going to be a fun game to bet and watch, but I'd probably right stay now. away from betting one of, one of these sides. Oh, my God. Um, I'm done. I give up. I don't know how you do this on a cell phone. This is insane. This is insane. Okay, I'm back. So I'm going to keep talking so that you right. can hear me. I'll start over. Well, no, no, what's the line? This is all going in. This is all going in. What's the line right now? Okay, let me give you the let me give you the up to date because can I tell you where I'm leaning? Sure, big time Packers. One, well, you're gonna get a good because you're gonna get a good line. There is an injury in this game that I do not think people are talking about that I think is enormous, and that middle of the Bucks defense, Vita Vea at nose tackle. I know nobody cares about nose tackle; they don't get sacks. This dude was single-handedly destroying Nick Foles last week and then got carted off. That D-line was the heartbeat of that unit. JPP, Indomitian Sue, but it was really Vita Vea. And I think that if Green Bay gives Aaron Rodgers time, man, I don't uh, – and I, I, there's injuries to the Bucks wide receivers. Packers are coming off of a bye. I know – like, that's not – I don't know if that's one of my picks yet, but I'm liking the sound of the Packers there. Well, what you say is spot on, which I know the public doesn't care about offensive and defensive line, but I'll tell you right now, 100%, a good nose tackle, forget about how valuable that is to a team. It's unbelievable. So, uh, again, the line right now is minus, is is Green Bay minus one even, Ooh. so you can actually lay no juice and lay the one point I'm Ooh. looking at. That's a, that's like a kind of a community line. I love betting uh, on the big no. games. I love betting on the big games because then I got, you know, I'm watching, I'm having a great time. Yeah, you know, betting on those big games, though, uh, sometimes it's, it could be costly or sometimes it, I mean, you, you can win the game too. But there's so much public money on it both ways. I'm only looking at what, the si- what side the, the public is really on. And I'll tell you what, I hate to say this against your, your, uh, your, your pick here this week. I think they're on Tampa Bay. They're Great. they're on Tampa Bay. That's Great. I don't want to be on the public side. Right, 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 right. Okay, what about the um, Sharps? Who are the Sharps attacking? Sharp guys are you know attacking some of the smaller games that you really wouldn't wouldn't really be interested in probably. But I say it wouldn't be interesting. Uh, the Bears are four and one. They're probably the worst four and one team, uh, maybe in the history of football. Yeah, but. Um, 
Yeah, they're four and one. They're playing Carolina three and two. It's a matchup of two teams that no one really talks about. Uh, but you know, like I said, both of these teams do have winning records. So a very sharp group hit the Bears plus two and a half Ooh. here. So uh, they're that that the money's on on the Bears there. Like I said, that um, that that record is not as good as uh, as it should be. Probably, um, I'm sorry. The record is is better than it should be. Um, so. A game that I would want to stay away from. Carolina's coming off two really soft defenses in a row. Atlanta and Arizona. Teddy Bridgewater's looked great, so that's kind of baked into your head. Chicago. I mean, they they their their total margin of victory in the first five games, I believe, is five points. And so that oh wow that and and so for me, I, I look at the over the the under. It was at forty four and a half. Some places it's down to forty three and a half. Some at forty five. It's a already a low number, but I would if I'm going anything there, I would think about the under in that game. Look at the look. I'll give you another funny game. How about this? The 0-5 Giants are favorite in a game. Ooh. I mean, uh, that that hasn't happened in years and years. So that's an old division rival, uh, Washington Ooh, playing the Giants. Rivalry games. I don't know if I get more information from those games or if they scare me because wonky things happen. Yeah, no, it, 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 but by the way, the dog was hit there. The line is now two and a half and uh, Washington was bet. So that's, that's also a sharp play from, uh, from a group. And, um, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen. These are games that no one really cares about. I understand. Um, but, you know, you, you talked earlier about what teams may be yeah. a magical team to go. Yeah. Play. Who are you thinking? It, I mean, who knows it? Honestly, from 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 what I'm, my guys are telling me, and we by the way, I bet under on the Bears earlier in the season. I bet under eight and a half wins. I'm a big giant dog. Um, you know, the Bears may surprise people. You know, they, they they may surprise people and they may get there. They're on their way. Uh, if they could just duplicate what they've done now, the, the middle of the season here, they're going to lock themselves up a playoff uh, spot no matter what happens so in, we, in the last. We calculated quarter. your pick so far this season, crack, and on this show, you're batting about sixty-seven percent. So you're doing great. Oh, cool. uh, I'm curious. Cool. Do you have one that's tickling your fancy the most this week? Yeah, we. Uh, I actually sent out to my guys. Over 50, look at that eye there. It kind of scares me. Uh, <laughs> I sent out over 50 and a half to my guys on the uh, Rams 49ers game. Um, you know, uh, these teams, I understand too. Though, look at the 49ers. How did they, they just got destroyed last week. The defense just didn't look good against uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> but um, so hopefully their defense does the same thing again this week. And the Rams offense seems to be getting oh, back on track. Good bet. They have had some of the highest scoring games in these last few years. Like, if you remember the first year of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, Thursday Night Football, it's like 43 to 40. It's an offensive mastermind showcase, and the total is 50, which is lower than – and it's probably like middle-of-the-road total this week. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, it, it actually surprised us because – I know a lot of this. Well, the, the originating sports books are adding numbers, like I said last week, onto the onto the the totals. A lot of these totals, just like I, I mentioned, the Seattle game was fifty eight last week. A group came in and bet the under. But the, the really only way to go, I think, night. Here Come on, what's that? And it's Sunday night, so that number it's Sunday night prime time. Oh. That's part part. Part of my reasoning is uh, that that the public is probably going to be chasing betting Sunday night. So this game may even go higher. Mm. Yeah. 
this game may, this game may go higher. So uh, we'll see what happens here, and uh, ho hopefully we get the money here with the over. Awesome. You're the man. Thank you for the insight, the knowledge, and everything else. And, of course, go check out the Crack Wins app. He doesn't do this just for himself. He does this for you, Crack Daddy. It is now time for a special interview that means a lot to me and I'm sure means a lot to the Eagles fans out there because there is a documentary coming out maybe next year. You can pre-order it on October 20th, right? November 20th. November 10th. November, November 10th. Excuse me. November 10th. It's going to be on VOD and DVD. You can go to maybenextyearfilm.com. I have the director talking to me now. His name is Kyle Thrash, and I'm curious – how many Philadelphia media outlets have you talked to? And the first question you get about is James. Uh, I, that was the first thing WIP said was, are you related <laughs> to James Thrash? And uh, yes. I said, you know, I used to wear an, a, a jersey to school in middle school. And then a couple drop passes, Amazing. I completely forgot about wearing that jersey ever again. I love James Thrash, but I, I this is this is cool to me. When I was a, a sports anchor in Louisville, Kentucky, I did a, a documentary about the rivalry between the Louisville uh, Cardinals and the Kentucky Wildcats, and we did a Kickstarter and all that. And I remember what it was like to be a part of a project to tell the story of an area, yeah. and for you to be able to capture the story of Philadelphia in the midst of the run. Uh, what has it been like to be a part of that energy for what I'm sure is an extended period of time? Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, it's like a, a, a dream. I mean, I, I kind of grew up in this, you know, my family uh, is from the area. I grew up in the area. My mom uh, is a huge Philly sports fan and uh, had uh, a Phillies game on in the pregnancy, like in the delivery room when I was being born. So for me, this is something yeah. that being able to show the passion of, of Philly sports fans, uh, is something that, uh, you know, is a dream of mine. And, and uh, being able to, it started out as a passion project, just kind of going down to uh, the link to observe fan culture and kind of like see where all that, where all this like energy comes from. Uh, and it turned into me capturing the best year on, you know, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So this was sort of an accidental surprise. Yeah. Like you, you were going to document it no matter what. And then Carson goes down and then a whole a whole new story is being yeah. written. When Carson went down, we almost we almost abandoned the project. We were like, like this isn't you know because they were doing so well. Obviously, Carson having this MVP year. I'm like, you know, I'm like this feels great. I'm like capturing amazing moments with fans, and I'm like this is gonna be this great movie. And then when Carson goes down, and you know Nick Foles comes in, you know everyone's just thinking like you know this is it. like it's not happening. Uh, you know, but I quickly realized I was like, oh, this is what the movie's about. You know, it's about the heartbreak. It's about always getting close, but not getting there. You know, it's about that maybe next year yes. feeling. Uh, but luckily, you know, it was it was that year. Was there a moment afterwards where you're kind of in post-production that you were like, I wonder if anybody else did this too? No. No. So you knew all along that you were the only ones that were really... Well, I mean, you know, I was the one covering all of the area. So I just knew that, like, Amazing. I was, you know, there was obviously local media and, you know, and, and obviously the team was, you know, sure. and stuff. But I knew what I was doing was singular for sure, you know, and that I was getting it from the fans' perspectives. And that felt, you know, it felt unique. 
Would you say that you have a master's or a doctorate in Eagles fan right now? Man, I would say in terms of the culture, a doctorate, but in terms of like, but also when you meet these people, you quickly realize I'm still like a student. You know what I mean? Because these people, <laughs> it's like you think you're an Eagles fan and then you, you meet someone who's putting on spandex at five in the morning and face paint and getting their, you know, getting their RV ready and like annoying their wife. And you quickly realize you're like, you're not even on the same level as these guys. Or you meet someone that knows every statistic about the, you know, the, the 1960 championship team and who was playing left guard and, and why they, you know, it's like, you know, I, I consider myself a huge Eagles fan, but I mean, these guys are, you know, these guys are on another level. When an Eagles fan goes to watch this movie, and again, they can watch it at maybe next year, film.com. Uh, you'll be able to download and all that. And welcome to 2020. Um, what, what emotions will Eagles fans feel as they experience your film? Man, I, I hope, I hope pride. I hope um, like rejoicing in the season. I think there's a lot of moments in it that I feel like capture kind of um, what makes fans so unique, you know, from, um, you know, from someone like, you know, there's a moment in the film where, you know, I'm down at a tailgate and a firework goes off in a, in a, in a, in a fan's hand, you know, before the game they're drinking, they're mm. letting off fireworks and he blows his hand up. There's a big hole in his hand. And he goes, well, I still got to go into the game. I'll just put some peroxide, drink some vodka. And it's like, got to go watch the birds win. So I feel like something like that, that maybe is a little bit more unique, wow. you know, that like kind of shows off, you know, what it, what it means like in the dedication, but also the heart. I mean, you know, our four characters, you know, kind of show off different types of what, you know, what fandom means. One mm -hmm. of our main characters, Jesse, you know, his, uh, his son has special needs and his, and his dad is unfortunately um, dying from cancer and what it means for him to watch the game with his dad before he passes. So I think a lot of people are going to be, be able to relate to that and remember who they were with, what it meant to their family, what it meant to the people that were there around, the people that weren't there. Um, so hopefully they're going to be able to remember all those things and kind of rejoice in it when they watch. You followed a bunch of stories. You did it during the perfect time. Do you believe that being an Eagles fan is akin to a religion? Is that a religion for people in that area? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a moment in our movie where we, father, uh, where we follow this character called Father Mike, who is a priest who we met down at the tailgate, though. So we're meeting him down at the tailgate, and he's known as Helmet Head down at the tailgate. So he wears a helmet, drinks beers, gets everyone in his section going for the you know, E-A-G-L-E-S chant. And then the next day, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at his mass, you know, very quiet. You know, you're expecting, you know, this, you know, this kind of, you know, beautiful, you know, uh, ceremony. And, uh, you know, it's right at the end where I'm like, oh, man, there's nothing unique going on here. He goes, how about that win yesterday? Could you believe it? This was right after the Vikings game, you know, uh, or right after the Atlanta game. And he's like, it was one yard line. Like, could you believe it? The catch, you know, Julio misses it. And he goes, let me get like, it's Eagles, baby. We've got two more games and we're champs. And you're like, the whole, everyone. And you expect like, you know, but everyone's used to it. It's like, that's Father Mike up there. So absolutely. It's mm. a religion, you know? Uh, it's because what you, how you started this, talking about your mom, you know, when you're in the womb, listening to Phillies games. One of the defining stories of my grandfather before he passed was, this was an Eagles game years ago, a wild card playoff game against the Vikings. And the nurses are running down the hall because they're hearing yelling. And it's him just freaking out about like Rodney Pete or something. And it's, you know, like yelling in a hospital. Like it's 
the thing is, is, is as an Eagles fan, I feel like other fan bases would be shocked. And I feel like people that grew up around the people like we did were like, no, that's, that's normal. And I, I'm beginning to realize how unnormal that is to think that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. There's only a couple of fan bases that, you know, like, you know, you see Bill's mafia or the Raiders, you know, that kind of do it big, but I feel like, you know, I feel like there's, there's always something really special about, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles community, you know, it's blue collar town, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's, and it's, it's an escape on Sunday, you know, they work hard, they, you know, they have a lot going on in the week and they, they're able to kind of, you know, have, have Sunday as a game to, you know, to release and, 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 and cheer on their team and, 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 and uh, experience something special, hopefully, you know. All right. So it is maybe next year, film.com. November 10th is the day in which you need to check it out. Uh, anything else about this movie that you're super excited about or super proud of? Uh, yeah. I mean, or about this Eagles team. I'd love to know your thoughts on what's, what's going on right now with this one three and one team. I feel like Carson is getting uh, a bad rap for what I think is um has moments of you know sh- like shining through moments you know again he's playing with obviously a you know ton of backup linemen and obviously he's throwing to a lot of practice squad guys so i feel like he's getting the short end of the stick in terms of the national media about his play you know obviously he has you know his eight interceptions so it's that's you know it's not great but i feel like um he's gonna put it together obviously fulgram had a great game last week you know yeah. i feel like he's uh I feel like they're going to put it together. I feel like the NL, NL East, uh, the NFC East is a dumpster fire right now with all the other teams. So I feel like we still have a chance, and I feel like, uh, you know, I, I feel like we, we may make a run. Oh, one last question. So, like, man, this is actually just like a, a, a creator question. Yeah. I'm sure that you would have loved to have had a premiere. And, and like done it in Philadelphia and had Father Mike and had these people there because what you're doing in this documentary is you're create you're, you're putting their storylines out there and you're kind of cementing them. And, and I'm sure that that community around Father Mike and the community around those fans will love them. But I, I believe with the way Philly is, is these people could be vaulted into like super fandom. And I know that you probably want that for them. So how, how excited are you for the characters to have their stories? Oh, man, someone equated the, f- the film to like an episode of Cheers. You know, it's like all those characters that you know, that you always like, that you kind of remember. There's these, there's these two guys called, that we call the vultures that like after games, after the tailgate, they go around and they pick up like the leftover beers and they, they pick up the leftover chairs and they just go around and drink and pick up all the leftover things. Those are things, if you've, if you've been going down to the games, that you remember. Guys like Sonny who goes around, you know, on his, on his wheelchair and sings songs. And it's like these are characters that you've been experiencing your whole life. So for me, I'm so proud to be able to share their stories with the world. And, and hopefully a lot of people, you know, a lot of Eagles fans will watch it and be like, oh, there he is. There's Father Mike. There's Sonny. You know, there's the vultures, you know. So, yeah, it gives me a lot of pride. I, and, I, and I I hope that everybody that's listening to this episode can understand that when you're watching a sports documentary, the actions on the field are great, but it's the characters that you focus on that give a story meaning, and it sounds like my guy Kyle Thrash. No relation to James has found those stories. Maybe next year, film.com, November 10th. Check it out. Kyle, you're the man, dude. I Thank appreciate you, your time. I appreciate the time. 
It has been an absolute wild ride, as you can probably tell from the beginning of my voice not working. It's microphone issues. We're on a cell phone, and I don't have Wi-Fi, but it's time to make our bets, and that's why I'm joined by the bearded wonder, the man of the hour. I don't know what that last word was. It's David Ingber. David said that he prepared a lot of stats, and I don't like my coworker's work to go unnoticed. David, what is the stat that you have off the top that you need to deliver right now? Well, I'm still on my victory lap about selecting Chase Claypool as my offensive rookie of the year at 33 to one based on his incredible performance on Sunday. That's now down to 23 to one. So that's already like hedge value. If you've already gotten that, like you could, you could sell that at a prop swap. That's pretty good. And now do you have another statistic that you'd like to share with us? Justin Herbert has actually supplanted Joe Burrow as the number one rookie of the year option, which I thought was super fascinating. I mean, we were talking about him at 14 to one. So now what is he? He's now plus 125, so massive value jump. And so he went all you want is a tout. Is Justin Herbert going to win? I don't know, but we told you to take something at 14-1, to 1, and now it's down as the favorite. You have value. And poor Joe Burrow, he's just keeping the Bengals somehow in this game while he's just getting mashed up by opposing defensive lines. He's now at plus 260, so it's still possible that he could win this award. But I just I was looking at the Bengals because it seems like they're covering all the time, and I just uncovered this stat. Cincinnati's 0-14-1 straight up in their last 15 games on the road, but 10-4 and against the spread in their last 14 games on the road, which I just thought was just a fascinating Bengals stat. And Joe Burrow seems to be keeping that tradition alive of keeping the Bengals close but losing the game. This weekend is a game that I thought about for one of my three bets. The way I see it right now is the Colts are favored by 7.5 and the totals at 46.5. Uh, two defensive tackles out for the Bengals right now, Mike Daniels and Geno Atkins. And so I think it's going to be a big Jonathan Taylor week running the ball. But again, this is an Indianapolis Colts team that likes to slow the game down. And it's a Bengals team with that offensive line, which stinks going up against the, I'm not saying the Colts cover. I would feel, I don't know if I'm going to make this one. I would feel more comfortable taking under 46 and a half, which I know is low than I would doing seven and a half at the Colts because of what you said. If T. Higgins gets loose on a burrow deep ball and that hook catches you, I'd hate myself. So I don't know if I'm making that one of my three, but I like that one. Do you have another statistic you'd like to get to? Uh, Yeah, this is just a, I love stats that make other people sad. And I know that this is going to make you sad. So there's 231 NFL players have been targeted at least eight times this season. There's only one player who's netted a perfect passer rating. Do you know who it is? I couldn't hear that. Is it something with your microphone? It was Nelson Aguilar. (laughs) I mean, this guy is just tearing it up out there. And I don't know how Eagles fans are standing it. That was an NFL on CBS. Has the Chicago Bears at four and one. Nelson Aguilar has a perfect passer rating thrown to him. Justin Jefferson is showing himself to be a true number two as a replacement of Stefan Diggs. And I'm over here super excited that I put in a big waiver request for Travis Fulham. And I have been been calling him Fulgham for the past three weeks. (laughs) You know, I don't know what we're going through right now. And hopefully our director that we talked to at the end of this podcast, uh, Kevin Thrash, uh, can help us with his new documentary that's coming up. But Kyle Kyle Thrash, thank you. His cousin, Kevin, I went to high school with. David Ingber. I am going. Do you have anything else before I get ready to make my three picks, my lean list love after going three and zero last week and totally not bragging about it until right now? 
Just a little oddity that AFC Offensive and AFC Defensive Player of the Week were both rookies. So shout out to Chase Claypool and Patrick Queen of the Baltimore Ravens. Patrick Queen, a linebacker that the Philadelphia Eagles could totally use right now instead of Nathan Gary, who was the one defending Chase Claypool on that last and decisive touchdown. Okay. I think that I've heard enough. I've heard from Crack. I have talked to Adam Levitan. I have heard the brusslings underneath your beard. And I believe that I am ready. Number one, I think it's crazy. There's no Thursday night football. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. It doesn't make sense. Please save me. Giants are interesting. I looked at Minnesota at minus four in the Falcons, and I said, ooh, that's juicy. And then I said, ooh, the Texans, they fired their head coach and came out of nowhere and won. I don't think I want to be the one taking Kirk Cousins in a battle with Matt Ryan. That game scares me. Carolina, Chicago kind of scares me too. Jacksonville, Detroit, I believe if I'm going anywhere there, it might be Detroit minus three and a half. But the first one that I am putting in as my lot, I am starting with my lock, and that is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm taking a spread, minus three against the Cleveland Browns. The 4-0 Steelers, the 4-1 Cleveland Browns. What did we just hear about Baker Mayfield? Dude's got bruised ribs. I don't need banged up Baker taking on Pittsburgh. And also, while we were recording this podcast, Odell Beckham Jr. seemingly might not play in that game. That came out of nowhere. But really what I believe is that the Pittsburgh Steelers shut down every running game that exists. Miles Sanders, if you take away that 75-yard run, the stats for the Steelers are crazy. I think they shut everything down. Steelers win that one big. That is my lock, David Ingram. And I'm only continuing my sentences like this because I know that my microphone cuts out. I like that. Yeah. So next time you just do a big ramp up into your sentence, that line actually went down. I think it was up to five and a half at one point has come down to three. So you're getting some good line value there after some, some public money came in on the Browns. I would love to take the Patriots to blow out the Broncos, but 10 points is just made too big. And I think Drew Locke, all of his weapons are in trouble. Cam Newton is back. And I don't know if you saw Cam Newton dancing, but the Swagasaurus Rex is going to run all over Denver. Don't know if I'm going to lock that in though. Baltimore, Philadelphia, Baltimore favored by seven and a half. Ugh, it's just a lot of points. I don't really like it. Uh, the next one I'm going to take, I'm stealing cracks, stealing cracks. My lock, my love is going to be the over in the Rams Niners game at 51 and a half. I'll take it right where it is right now. I remember doing the shows with Warren Sharp last year. And every time he said, Ooh, this matchup, always look at the over. I am. That's my love. What do you think about that one, David? Yeah, for sure. I mean, why not ride the the overs and the hot hand of Bill Krakenberger? Like both of those things are trending upwards in 2020. I want to look something up. This is one that it's going to be a deep cut. Um, and I'm going, to do, I'm going to try and figure this out live. It's a team total. The game that has interested me the most is the Cowboys-Cardinals game. Because you're telling me that in prime time, Everyone is talking about Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton and what's going to happen with Gallup and Lamb. You know what they forgot to talk about? It's the same Cowboys defense, and they just lost another defensive tackle. The same Cowboys defense that your boy Lefko has been telling you forever. Always bet the over, and it's not just because of that offense. Now Arizona gets to face that team. The, oh, I don't have a team total yet. <clears throat> Okay, I think that the team total of the Cardinals is going to be around 26-28. 
because the total well, we can calculate it. Yeah. So the, the okay, perfect. We can just look for the over here. The total is fifty five, so the and the Cardinals are favored by two. Right. So Cardinals favored by two. So that's essentially what they're saying is it's going to be a twenty eight to twenty six score. And I would like to bet as my list an over on the Cardinals to score more than twenty eight points. I really like over on the total in general, mainly because Chandler Jones is out for the season. So you're telling me the number one pass rusher on the Cardinals on a defense that has not been looking good is taking on this Dallas Cowboys offense, and that Dallas Cowboys defense gets to face Kyler freaking Murray? Like, I, I love it, but I'm only going to take the Cardinals side just because I want to see one week of Andy Dalton. What do you think of my three bets? Uh, I like those bets. I like the dance you're doing right now for the people that are not watching on Facebook. Um, <laughs> it just, I, every every year we see it, I don't have the numbers on this. I wish I did. But when we see a backup quarterback, people just think all backups are created equal. And it's simply not true. Like Teddy Bridgewater came in. He's a legitimate starter in the NFL. He came in for the Saints and was great and kept them afloat, did more than kept them afloat. He went five and oh. Andy Dalton is not just some random ass scrub out of some random ass college that's never played in this league before. He's a freaking playoff tested NFL quarterback who's not the greatest quarterback. He's not a top 10 quarterback, but he's a fine, good quarterback that knows how to play and teams have not seen tape on him in a while. I, I love that. Bet. Uh, that, that game should be higher. Uh, okay. So if people don't realize David Ingber's goal is to do bets that are typically around the 10 to 1, 12 to 1 range, and he's trying to go 0 for 0 for 16, maybe in the playoffs and go 0 for even more. And and because you can still make money this way, I guess. Uh, what it, What is the bankroll that you have built up right now? What is your current record? And what is your loser for this week? Uh, well, so I've been going for like 12 to 1 payouts, meaning like an $100 bet would actually only net me like seven or $8, you know, depending if I'm getting one to 12 money. So let's say I, if I'm betting $100 each week, I'm up 35 on the year by going 0 and 5. You've, you've literally made more than me. <laughs> um, this week, I was just looking through the lines and it just seemed like there were a lot of shaky favorites. I'm looking at a lot of shaky money line favorites. So I'm taking five money line favorites Whoa. to win outright. Right. And I just feel like there's no way. Crack, crack literally just said to us that for some reason, new bettors love money line favorite betting. So this is perfect. You're on par. Yeah. So I have the Titans minus 187 to beat the Texans. The Texans could be playing super desperate. And I think the Texans, the Titans might be super overvalued after destroying the Bills. Everyone can destroy a good team yeah. on a good night. The Vikings minus 208 to beat the Falcons. New coach, maybe they come in gangbusters. We've seen that before with a new coach and then a new offense gets reinvigorated. And, and you know, who are the Vikings to be favored minus 208 against anyone? Uh, the Lions minus 179 to beat the Jags. That's just me throwing a little nod to my friend Minshew Mania. He can go crazy every six weeks the way Ryan Fitzpatrick. The game that you said, right? Like, I love the Lions in that game. The other two, I'm like, English spot on right now. I'll do a side bet with you on that game. Well, if, just for fun, you're going to give me 179 odds. Sure. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll do it. Steelers. But again, I, I'm not, I'm not actually saying any one of these is correct. I'm saying that there's no way all five of them are correct. saying that that excited my gambling brain. I want to bet with you. <laughs> the Steelers minus 177 to beat the Browns. I think the Steelers are a better team, but 177 divisional round. You're telling me that's not closer to like a 55, 45, 60, 40 matchup. 177 is a little more juice I'll, than I was expecting. I'll bet that one with you too. Next. 
<laughs> and the Cardinals minus 127 to beat the Cowboys. That feels like a toss up to me as well. So, I mean, if, if what are the what are the odds of getting heads five times in a row on five coin flips? It's one in 32. And I feel like a lot of these games are not much more than coin flips. I feel like I'm getting nine to one odds in something much closer to 25 to 21, uh, 26 to, to one happening. I love that you made about 32 to $35 and the odds of this happening. It's, it's, it's lining up. I'm liking this. I think you might lose this one. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Not a chance. I feel so good about this one. Ooh. Find out next week on the gambling show. Did my energy feel different today because I was on a cell phone and not the setup? I felt like it felt different. I've never seen you stand up and start dancing with your belly in front of the camera before. So I don't know. Maybe you're just feeling yourself. It's, it's great. We will need to dive into this a little bit deeper. Hopefully you guys are great. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of different podcasts. Hopefully next week. I need to talk over with Ingram first before I just come on here and just start saying things. But there's going to be a little bit more sports card stuff happening. Um, our guy Lior uh, may have bought another $1.8 million card and the guy that brought me into the hobby may have it with him. So we might be talking to him next week. Uh, Ingber, I got this this week. This is a LeBron Kaboom. Uh, I had originally bought it and it was graded a 9.5 and a BGS and I flipped it to a PSA 10. And you know how much it gained in value by doing that? How much? I yeah. Oh, 10%, 17%? Well, almost 100. Man. Amazing. All right. I don't know how to turn off the podcast when I'm on a cell phone. I love you guys. I hope you guys are great. Have a great day. For David Ingber. If you see someone wearing a mask below their nose, just give them a friendly reminder. You don't have to glare at them. A friendly reminder. Hey, man, I think your mask slipped a little bit. That's all you need to say. Ooh, that's good. So you don't go, you must be a mouth breather. Uh, and I, my, what were you going to say? No, just that like people are getting really aggressive about there. That's one where it totally might be an innocent mistake. You're, you're moving around. You don't realize it slipped down. Don't assume malice in that particular case. And the final message that I'll leave everybody left with is if you're not waking up feeling joy, do something different. Put on different music in the morning. Get yourself up and dancing. We can take this back. All you got to do is realize that it's a choice. I'm starting to fight back and I feel fucking great. And I hope that you do too. I'm the LEFKOE man from the cell phone, not on Wi Fi. My bills can be crazy this month. We'll holler at you later.